Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Good morning, Faith Assembly Church. You can be seated this morning if you're not already. And uh, are you ready for the word? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited to be here to share with you this morning and looking forward to our time together. If you have your Bibles with you, you can go ahead and turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Hold your spot there and also find Mark chapter 11. So we're going we're gonna to be looking at both of these texts for a little bit today. And um, we're continuing in our series, Life in the Spirit. And, uh, you know, they're just... just had a vision for this series of messages to revisit and talk about and share together the ideas and the principles of life in the spirit because I believe, Pastor Lisa and I believe, and we agree together in the spirit, we agree together in prayer often, that God wants to do amazing things here in the life of this church. Not only does he want to, but he is doing We are seeing the fruit of it. We're hearing the testimonies of it week in and week out. And we give God the glory for that. But we want you to understand and have an awareness of a deeper work that the Lord wants to do in your life. I want to tell you something today that we may live in tumultuous times, but tumultuous times doesn't have to equate to tumultuous lives. Because you and I can be called to, are called to, and can live in a place in the Spirit where we experience the peace of God that transcends our understanding. We can, we can walk in a place in the Spirit where we experience joy unspeakable and full of glory even in the midst of adverse circumstances when it seems like the world around us is losing their minds. We can know peace, we can know joy, we can know happiness, we can know what it's like to live a full, rich, and satisfying life. And that's our prayer for you. That's our prayer for you during the course of this series is that you are awakened to new depths in the Spirit, that that God indeed would take you deeper as we've been talking about and focusing on all this year. Uh, We started off a couple of Sunday mornings ago with a message to, to just encourage you that life in the Spirit is for you. It is something that's available for you today. It's something that's encouraged for us in this hour of living. Uh, um, you know, and last week, Pastor Lisa shared an amazing message. Thank you, babe, for, for that amazing word uh, that you brought to us last week. And that is that so oftentimes we, in our finiteness and in our rationale and our own human wisdom, we, we factor in that God surely can't do something in our lives because our lives are so imperfect and broken. And while life in the Spirit is not a perfect thing, God's glory can still be seen in and through our lives if we'll live yielded and available to Him. Amen? Amen. And, and while, while life in the Spirit is not a perfect life, I'm here today to share with you that life in the Spirit is a productive life. Life in the Spirit is a productive life. 
And I want to talk with you a little bit today. The reason I had you turn to Galatians 5, you may have thought when we were turning there, well, that's a very familiar passage of Scripture. Seems like that, that you know, seems familiar to me. Uh, and that's because that is where we find Paul's list of the fruits of the Spirit. So I want to talk to you today about living a productive life in the Spirit. You know, there are, there are a number of, of facets to the grace of God. There is the grace of God. There's the grace of the Lord through the Holy Spirit that draws us and leads us to salvation. I want to pause here for just a minute. I want to, can I call time out? Okay, good. Um, let, me, let me just stop here for a minute and explain something to you. We, we place a lot of emphasis on, and rightly so, we should, Jesus did not die. Jesus did die to forgive us of our sins. Amen? And we emphasize that, and rightly so. But, but hear me for the remainder of what I'm saying here. Jesus did not die to forgive us our sins as an end of itself. There's a reason that Jesus shed blood and suffered and died to forgive you and I of our sins. And the reason that Jesus suffered and bled and died to forgive us of our sins is because the sin in our lives was the thing that stood between us and the presence of a holy God. The sin in your life and mine was the thing that separated us from the presence of God and from fellowship with God. So Jesus didn't come and die and bleed and offer his life a sacrifice for us just so that we could walk away scot-free from our wrongdoing. Jesus came and suffered and bled and died to wipe away our sins, to remove them as far from us as the east is from the west so that you and I can come boldly before the throne of grace and we can experience fellowship with our Father in the person of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Okay, because we got to get that because there's so many people that they feel like once they've said the prayer, once they've done the deal, then that's it. And there's nothing much more for them. But I want to tell you something today. There is a depth of life in God that you and I have not even begun to discover. I don't care if you're a new babe in Christ, if you're a seasoned saint, there's always more of God. And what you need to understand is that when Jesus died on the cross, the temple veil was rent from the top to the bottom, signifying that it was not the work of man's hands, but it was the work of God that had made a way for you and I to come into the holy of holies and wait in the presence of the almighty and know him and fellowship with him jesus died providing a cleansing from sinfulness that a right relationship with god the father might be restored and there's a grace there's a grace at work in our lives through the provision of the holy spirit that enables you and i to walk in the righteousness of god and, and this, this Christian life that you and I are called to, understand this, is not intended 
that you and I be able to perfect it in our own power. If you're trusting in your power or your good nature or your righteousness today, I'm not saying that you're not saved, but I am saying you're as much a legalist as you are anything else. And I'm further stating that if you're trusting in your own ability to keep the rules as a means of righteousness and you think that makes you better than anybody else, you're wrong. That doesn't make you more righteous than anybody else. It doesn't make you better than anybody else. It only makes you smug and spiritually arrogant. and sometimes slightly irritating. But as you and I live reliant on the Holy Spirit and we learn to live in the Spirit, we should find ourselves abounding in grace in our lives, uh, abounding in a grace in our lives that, that produces spiritual fruit, not of our own works, but because of what the Spirit of God is doing in and through our lives. Now, when we begin to speak about life in the Spirit, and I just, I gotta emphasize this here because we're a Pentecostal fellowship. If you don't understand what that means, you don't have to Google it, I'll tell you. It means that we believe that the, the manifestations of the Spirit as our told us in the new testament are still available for the modern believer and they are still active in the body of christ as a means of edifying and encouraging the body of christ and glorifying god very simply now but as a pentecostal fellowship a lot of times when we begin to talk about life in the spirit the emphasis is always placed upon the manifestation of gifts of the spirit we talk about tongues and interpretation. We talk about word of prophecy, word of knowledge, and, and all these things, and, it, and we should, because in, in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul says that you and I should earnestly desire the best gifts. But it's so vital, understand this, that fruit of the Spirit is so vital that in the middle of Paul's instruction to the Corinthian church about gifts of the Spirit, he stops to give an interjection about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, understand this, that Paul's interjection about fruit of the Spirit is somewhat singular, has a, somewhat of a singular facet to it in that he talks about love. He's only talking about love here in this. Love is the topic, but manifestation of spiritual gifts void of spiritual fruit is the applicable principle. And I don't know that I'd ever thought about this in this way until I was studying this, that, that Paul's addressing a particular problem that you and I need to back away from and get the 30,000-foot view. We, we need to see the whole thing because while Paul is here and he's talking about, hey, if I do all these things but I don't have love, I'm just a, I'm just a noise. 
I'm just making noise, that's it. But what we need to understand in principle, in subject matter, yes, that is absolutely correct. But in principle, if you and I are walking around this earth and all we have is the visible aesthetics of Christianity, but we're not bearing the fruit of the Spirit, all we are is a facade. Same thing. Line upon line, precept upon precept. And the production of spiritual fruit is important because spiritual fruit is the trademark of authenticity in the life of a believer. Jesus did not say, by this will all men know that you're my disciples because you speak with other tongues. Jesus did not say, by this will all men know that you're my disciples because you give a word of knowledge. But Jesus said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples because you love one another. Love is not a manifestation of the Spirit. Love is a fruit of the Spirit. So you, you see where we're going here. So... And, and, and it's, said of, it's said of many things in this life, and I think it could be said here. There's, there's an adage, especially it's used in leadership oftentimes, and it says if you have to tell people you're the leader, you're probably not. So if, if I have to stand here and tell you that I'm in charge and I'm leading and I'm doing it, then, then the truth of the matter is I'm not. And, and that could be said in a lot of other contexts. And if you, you know, if you have to tell people you're the leader, you're not. If you have to tell people you're honest, you're probably not. If you have to tell people all the time that you have a strong work ethic, you probably don't. Because your life, the principle here is that your life will bear fruits that indicate the same. You don't have to tell anybody. Likewise, while we should be more than willing to tell people that we are disciples of Jesus Christ, our words should not be the only evidence that they have to validate such a claim. Certainly there should not be evidence to the contrary to such a claim because those evidences will always speak greater and louder than the words that we speak. But I'm here to tell you today, church, if we have to tell people that we love Jesus and that we're followers of Christ and that we're disciples of the Lord and we are faithful saints of God, if we have to tell people, we're probably not. See, I think, there's a, I think there's a disconnect in our minds to the simple fact that we're always producing fruit. Here's, here's another concentration in the church that we often focus on, and that is that you know, we talk about producing spiritual fruit as if your life is either fruitful or it is not. Okay? Then, you know, it, we, could, we could take this to other areas. We could talk about the resurrection. You know, some people think you, you're either saved and you're resurrected in Christ or you're not. No, you're going to be resurrected. You're either going to be resurrected at the rapture of Jesus Christ or you're going to be resurrected for the great white throne judgment. 
And we don't talk about that resurrection a whole lot because that's not the blessed hope of the church, right? But we talk about spiritual fruit and we talk about fruitfulness as if our lives do not bear fruit or they do. And that's just not simply the case. Your life is bearing a fruit. Your life is bearing a produce right now. The question is, what kind? It's not, it's not what if, it's what kind. What kind of fruit is your life bearing right now? And, and the truth is that you are bearing fruit, and the fruit is indicative of the root. The fruit is indicative of the root. You will never see an apple tree grow in pears. Why? Because what's down in the soil is not the root of a pear tree. What's, what's in the trunk, what's in the branches, what's in the leaves is not the DNA of a pear tree. It's an apple tree and it produces apples. And you and I are producing and you know I, I get so weary and wore out sometimes and I, I don't hear it quite as much now as I used to but there was a spell in in society and in church life and I, I just I think honestly I think we've heard so much garbage over the last several years that that there's a lot of people just just growing tired of it and we just want honesty right we want authenticity and we want honesty. But there was, a, there was a season in church when you always heard this over and over and over and over again and said, hey, you don't judge me. Yeah, don't, don't judge me. I'm going to live my life how I see fit and you're not to judge me. The word says don't judge. The word says don't judge. The word does say don't judge. And when I move, when I move away from you know, assessing what I see, and moving into the realm of trying to assign to you a motive and a heart condition, that's when I've moved into judgment. And judgment, understand this, is very different than fruit inspection. There's, there's a vast difference between being judgmental and observing the fruit that's being produced by a life. And when your fruit is contrary to the word of the Lord, I don't have to make the judgment. The word has already made the judgment. I just have to assess the differences. Are you with me? But the truth of the matter is, as much and as ready as I am to assess the contrariness between the fruit of the, of, in my brother or my sister's life, between that and the word, the discrepancies that are there, I need also to be ready to look at my own life reflectively in the mirror of the word and say, Lord, search me and know my heart and show me my unclean way and show me where the fruit of my life is contrary to the child of God and I need to make a close examination of my own fruit because again the question is not if you will be bearing fruit the question is what kind of fruit are we bearing and I believe Paul offers this clear distinction for us here in Galatians chapter 5 if you'll look with me there it says in beginning in verse 16 he says so I say let the Holy Spirit guide your lives and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. 
I'm reading this to you today from the New Living Translation just because of the sheer clarity of thought here. He says, the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us a desire, gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. So this is the contrast. You're going to follow the prompting of your flesh, which is going to move you towards bearing fruits that are unrighteous, or you're going to follow the promptings of the Holy Spirit that is going to move you towards bearing the fruits of righteousness. And your life will evidence whose promptings you're following with a fruitful indicator. Paul says you're not free to carry out your good intentions. This, this points back to the earlier statement that, that life in the Spirit and true spiritual fruit is not about your willpower or your ability to make correct choices. True spiritual fruit comes from an, an attentiveness to and yielding to the voice and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Verse 18, Paul continues and says, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under the obligation of the law of Moses. This is that added grace through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's our ability to produce fruits of righteousness that is not about our abilities to be perfect, but it's about our willingness to be yielded to the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? Okay. The law demanded perfection. You're not going to be perfected. You're not going to be perfect. But we should be becoming ever more from glory to glory to glory more like Jesus. Continuing in verse 19, Paul says this, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. In other words, the produce is evident. The fruit is there for everybody to see. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures. Just don't, just don't. I mean, don't love people, pray for people, encourage people, but do not try to validate sinful behavior, immoral behavior. Just, just don't. Paul says here it is absolutely clear. It is very clear. When we walk guilted to the sinful desires of our nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, Paul says, as I have before, that one living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's the fruit of carnality. What am I supposed to do about the root of life that yields this kind of fruit? What if the above person begins to tell me what a saint they are. Well, it's just contrary to the word. I'm not trying to be judgmental. 
I'm not trying to be harsh. I'm not trying to be bigoted or any of the other labels that society wants to place on you. I'm simply standing in the truth to say that is not in accordance with the word of the Lord, with the absolute truth by which I govern my life and eternity will be governed. There's no loopholes in the law. There's no way around it. This is the word of the Lord forever settled in heaven. We, we can't legislate a different definition of it than what it already is. We can't mandate, dictate any other standard from this world that is going to supersede what God has already said. He has said it, and that settled it, okay? So, verse 22, we continue here, and Paul shows us this contrast of fruit. And he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Number one, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Now, we've already established that, that the fact that the tree bears fruit of its kind, right? As a matter of fact, Jesus says in, uh, to his disciples, he, he underscores the ridiculousness of my earlier illustration. Like, you're not going to go to an apple tree and say, hey, you know what, I'm really hungry for a pear right now. I think I'll find it here. No, we read Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, Jesus says to his disciples, you can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act, can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit because the fruit is indicative of the root. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad fruit tree can't produce good fruit, so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, you can identify a tree by its fruit. So you can identify people by their actions. Listen, church, it's, it's a, it's a, I know it's a mixed-up world that we live in. Don't, don't get me wrong. I know that the, the confusion abounds on, on every hand, but understand this. God is not the author of confusion. It is made readily clear to us in the word of the Lord. And Jesus says, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions, not their words their actions now in the gospels in the gospels we read two accounts concerning a barren fig tree one is a parable that jesus tells and it's it's a powerful powerful word and it's multifaceted and we don't have time to get into all the dynamics of it this morning and i'm not going to try to but suffice to say jesus tells the parable about this uh landowner who went out in his in his farm and he found this large fig tree that was there but it was barren and the landowner went back to the servant and said i found this fig tree and it's barren it's good for nothing cut it down 
throw it in the fire. Why is it occupying the soil on this farm? Why is it drawing nutrients from the ground if it's not going to produce fruit? Just get rid of it. Of course, the servant comes back, says, hey, would you give me a year? I'd like to cultivate it. I'd like to fertilize it. I'd like to, I'd like to give it some nurturing care. We'll come back in a year, see what it's doing. Either it's producing fruit or we toss it one or the other. And that's granted and moves on. But the second, the second story about a barren fig tree is where I really want to stop and focus here this morning. Because once upon a time, Jesus was traveling with his disciples And the word says that Jesus was hungry. I love that. I I love those simple nuances of the word that show us that Jesus truly did come and suffer just like we did. It's um, 10 a.m. and I'm not having breakfast yet and I'm hungry. And by the end of the 1045, that crowd will be looking at me like a chicken leg. They're hungry. So we can identify. We, we know that Jesus identifies with us. But the word says that he was traveling along and he was hungry. And he says, and he saw a fig tree in full leaf. In full leaf. And it says that he saw the fig tree in the distance in full leaf. And he went to find out if it had any fruit. And when he reached it, he found nothing but leaves. Because it was not the season for figs. And then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now a couple of days later, they come back out of town and his disciples observe that Jesus has spoke to this tree and he has cursed it to the root and the tree has died. Okay, so that, that's the severity. I want you, to, I want you just to, to grab hold of all that right now for the things that I'm going to say next, okay? Its appearance was promising. It looked the right way. It, it looked good from off at a distance there was there was a testimony of life and you say well pastor i don't know it says in the word that it wasn't fig season whatever whatever my my bible says for us to be instant in season and out right but there was a testament of life that was there it was in full leaf blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in that law does he meditate day and night he will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water whose leaf does not wither see see what happens is that water there is that that soil is signifying the the soil of the word the the richness of the word from which we draw our nutrients but but nutrients doesn't come out of dry ground we need that still water running by which is typical of the holy spirit that is flowing through the word and and nourishing our spirit and as the holy spirit makes the life of christ real to us we have a testimony of life 
but the psalmist continues from there and I'm quoting from Psalm 1 and he says that not only will the leaf not wither but the fruit will not fail in season understand this child of God you and I are supposed to be living a life in the spirit that gives us a testimony of life that when a hungry world around us comes to approach and they come to us and they're looking to us they don't reach their hand in and find barrenness it's not just something that look good from a distance but has no sustenance once they begin to interact there's something in us that's fruitful that's rich that's satisfying that the hungry and the seeking can come and they can find the life of Christ in us But regardless of the appearances here, this tree was void of any sustenance and Jesus found nothing but leaves. It's appearance of life. It's the appearance of life with no produce of life. It's a word without action. In other words, it's just what Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 13. Yea, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. It looks good. It sounds right. But I don't have the fruit of love. It's just noise. It's just noise. It's, it's, a, it's a clanging cymbal, a banging gong, whatever, whatever your translation of Scripture says. It, it's just noise. There's no sustenance there. And I don't, I don't know about you, church. I don't want to be fruitless. I certainly don't want to be fruitless. And I certainly don't want to have a facade of a testimony that says there's the life of Christ here. It looks right. It sounds good. But it's barren. It looks right. It sounds good. But the fruit is indicative of a different root. This is some kind of hybrid junk. I don't know, but it ain't good. <laughs> no. I, I want to be the tree planted by the rivers of living water that Isaiah says were the planting of the Lord that yield the fruit of righteousness. Amen? Amen. And listen, life in the Spirit, life in the Spirit is a productive life. It's a, it's a productive life. I got to tell you sometimes, and, and Pastor Lisa would validate this, but sometimes I get so frustrated with me. With me. And she says, babe, what's wrong? I said, I'm, I'm frustrated with me. Why are you frustrated with you? Because I realize in this moment, as I dealt with this situation, I did not have the fruit of the Spirit enacted in my life. I had no patience. I had no gentleness. I had no self-control. I, I realize sometimes it, it's not even situational. It's just life. I have no joy. <laughs> just walking through. You ever just walk through life and you're just like, everything you see is negative. I mean, everything. 
you, you, you just, you feel like you go through spans of time in your life and if you really examine yourself, you and your spirit animal is Eeyore the donkey. Right? No matter, you know. It's terrible. Church, I, I don't want to be that person. I don't believe that you want to be that person either. Amen? Amen. Would you, would you stand with me or I'll keep going? I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back and I'm going to read that to you. I'm going to read that to you one more time. And it is it's probably my favorite passage of Scripture in the entire Bible. It's just, it's, it's the one for me, you know? Everybody has their thing, but, but this is the one that really ministers to me and as I read this to you I, I just want you to posture yourself to receive and I want you to begin to pray and call out to God and say Lord help me to lead a fruitful life help me to lead a life of sustenance a life of spiritual produce a life of produce that indicates and validates every word of my testimony that I am a child of God. I am set free. I am cleansed of all unrighteousness. But it begins this way, and I want you to begin to pray right now, even as I begin to read. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Here it is. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Father, thank you for this life. Thank you for this gospel. Thank you for the new life that is ours in Christ Jesus. Lord, as we endeavor to walk in your spirit, help us, God, increase our sensitivities not only to the call of your spirit, but to the awareness of ourselves. God, that before we take one glance around the room to observe anybody else's fruit, that we first look at our own tree. We first inspect our own fruit. Are we joyful? Are we loving? Are we patient? Are we kind? Are we gentle? Are we gracious? Are we bearing the fruits that validate the testament of life? And God, if we're not, then we repent. We repent. And as the psalmist, we pray, search me, O God, and know my heart. See if there's any unclean thing in me. God, once you've identified it, give us the courage. Give us the spiritual fortitude, Lord, to stand up and to nail that thing to the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ, to crucify the flesh 
reckon it dead and take on that new man to put on the righteousness of Christ that our lives might be productive in the spirit because here's what we know Lord the seed of the next tree is bound up in the fruit that we bear Lord we want to be productive not only in our own lives but we want to be productive in the planting of other trees that bear more fruit and more fruit and more fruit and we give you the praise the glory and the honor in Jesus name Amen We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today if you would like more information about Faith Assembly please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org Thanks again for joining us and we hope you have a blessed day.